NFL Week 10 Prop Bets and Hitman, we've got a loaded show. Let's jump right in. Seahawks, Bucks, bright and early Sunday morning from Munich. There's been a lot of talk this week on priors versus what the teams have shown us over the first half of the season in terms of how people are attacking this game from a point spread standpoint. Wondering when it comes to priors entering the season versus what we've seen over the course of the first half, if there's any crossover with that notion in the prop betting market as well. I'll tell you, it's... It's a game I'm interested in from from the prop betting market. And we spoke so many times this year about, you know, if you lose on a play, do you go back to it the next week or you are afraid to go back to it the next week? And I know with the Flacco stuff early in the year, I was getting burnt by him constantly. But I think sometimes if you think that your process is good, that it warrants going back. And one of the guys I'm looking at where I thought my process was decent was the Brady under. Um, I gave him out, I think, under 279 and a half, something like that last week. He finishes at 280. It's a last-second game-winning drive, which, yes, he's accustomed to going on game-winning drives to, to burn betters in the past. There's no doubt about that. But I thought that it was a game, again, where it took him like 50-something attempts just to go over. And I mean, he could have easily landed at 220 in that game. If not, if the Rams just convert that, that one first down at the end, and then we're getting a completely different number. So and believe this or not, like where would you think that Tom Brady, a guy that's lined at 284 and a half passing yards, where would you think he ranks among efficiency, like in yards per attempt? You would think, all right, well, 284, he's got to be really efficient. He's 28th in yards per attempt. Mm-hmm this season like he is just getting so much volume and it would be one thing if it was like a run and shoot offense where the coach was saying like like those Mike Leach offenses like oh well we're gonna throw the ball all over the yard and then you'd be all right well the volume's gonna be there so even though he's inefficient that's why the number's so high because he gets so much volume but the Bucks keep being adamant that they want to run the ball and they are trying to run the ball they run the ball on nearly every single first down just trying to get a productive run so they can run it again on second down. So I think that eventually this just has to come back to the mean with, with Brady and that he gets the efficiency catches up and eventually his line gets lower. And I think this should be lower. And plus Seattle's defense has been playing well recently too. They held Kyla Murray down the last two weeks. Jones underperformed versus expectation against them. Herbert underperformed versus expectation against them. So I think that Brady under, again, in this game is worth a look. And you mentioned 284 and a half. I am seeing that on the board. I'm also seeing as low as 279 and a half at some books. Would that still constitute value in your eyes? Brady passed yards under 279 and a half? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, this line would have opened in the high 260s if not for that last drive at the end of the game and it's just tough to keep saying that he's going to get this type of insane volume literally every single week so yeah i thought that 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 would uh, present some value also but i think you're going to get a better number than that it's been bet up since the opener i think it opened 279 and a half and a lot of places are up to 284 and a half so i think you're going to get a line in those 280s on brady 
I'm seeing some synergy between your comments there and what Sume had to say on Wednesday's episode of Between the Lines as well. We really broke down the Bucks' futility on early down runs, yet their refusal to move off of it. So that could dovetail nicely with the breakdown you just gave here. One more point on this Brady prop. You mentioned the process going back to the well, even if you've had a couple of tough losses recently, trusting the process. From a process standpoint, I think oftentimes if you lose a bet, you want to evaluate performance against the closing line or getting the best of the number in the market. Last Friday when we recorded, you mentioned Brady passing yards under 272 and a half against the Rams. And shortly after we recorded, I know you, Jacob, and I connected on our Telegram chat saying, hey, why is this up to 280 and a half? It got steamed. So there was somebody who did like the over quite a bit. From a process standpoint, when you say 272 and a half is good and then the number shoots up shortly after that, what impact, if any, does that have on your thought process? Yeah, I mean, the, the prop market, the closing line, it's not like the NFL market or anything. And like an example, like we just said that that line went up to 280 and a half. And then I released the under on Brady. I'm betting Brady's under for significant amounts of money at some places. And then it ends up closing 272 and a half or something because of my money and some subscribers' money. And I recommend it to a lot of other people, et cetera. So the closing line with props, it's not to be valued at the same as like a closing line with the NFL. Because like there's so many prop services out there now. And like some of them, like, yeah, I think they're good. And then there's other ones that just have huge followings. And honestly, I, I don't think that they're winning services. But with prop lines, it's so easy to move the number because if you're a service and you have even like, like let's say you give out a play at FanDuel or something and you have a service and you 20 people hit FanDuel at the same time, that's going to move the number at FanDuel. And then a lot of other books will copy the lines from this place and from FanDuel and everything. So the lines are just a lot easier to move in the prop market. And it can be moved by people that are, that in my opinion, some of them don't have an edge. So what will happen is a lot of times is you will get inefficient closing lines on props. Like I'll give, I'll give one example real quick, like with NFL sides and totals, I almost never bet right before the game because I just think the market's really efficient and everything, but props, I have no issue betting right before the game. So that, that, that's where I would stand as far as closing line value on props. I mean, it can, I'm not dismissing it. It can be meaningful, but you just have to be a little more cautious than, than you would on sides and totals. Sounds good. Well, speaking of release services, throwing a wrench into plans at some times, there are some games that we'll get to where that happened just before we recorded today. But fortunately, nothing yet that I've come across in the next game we'll touch on. Moving to the standard early window on Sunday, Jacksonville at Kansas City. Hitman on Edge Rush this week. You mentioned liking a look at Travis Etienne receiving overs. And at the time you recorded, that was pending numbers becoming available. And before we get to some numbers, I'd love it if you could just elaborate on that handicap a bit for ETN this week. Yeah, well, his number just came up at 15 and a half receiving yards. I think it's a solid, uh, decent play. And um, the thing with ETN is his receiving production hasn't been what we expected coming into this year. But I don't think it's a matter of like him an inability to play in the passing game. I mean, the guy was compared to Alvin Kamara coming out of college. He was a beast in the receiving game at Clemson. And who was his quarterback that was throwing him the ball at Clemson? Oh, it was the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. 
So I, I don't think that it's a lack of ability in the receiving game. It's just, I think, for whatever reason that the, the opportunity hasn't been there, whether it's game flow or, or whatever. But he's getting such a big workload right now. You're nine and a half point underdogs and the worst team in the NFL against opposing running backs in the passing game is the Kansas City Chiefs. Some of that is scheme. Some of that's um, the fact that they're up in a lot of games. So teams are throwing the running backs when they're behind. So I do think that you might be able to get a little bit of a discount on ETN this week based off his lack of prior production. But it's a great matchup, and it's a player that we know does have the ability to be effective in the passing game. Want to talk to you about another running back in this next game and particularly what he could do in the ground game, Houston at the Giants. I was turned on to the notions of a potential look at Saquon Barkley rush yards over when I listened to Tage Seth on the Early Value NFL podcast with friend of the show Ross McDowell earlier this week. And from a handicapping standpoint, we know the Houston rush defense is putrid, and we capitalized that on a big way with Derrick Henry just a couple weeks back. The Giants in this one coming off their bias, so Saquon should be fresh. He could be in line for some good usage, especially if we consider a bit of a free roll with game script. There has been some Houston money on the point spread this week, but the Giants still a substantial favorite. So if they're working some clock, that bodes well for more carries for Barkley in this one. In terms of the number, seeing it in the range of 92.5 to 94.5, I know that is a bit elevated for Barkley, but in this matchup, Hitman, do you see any value on Barkley's rushing props for Sunday? I still lean over. I mean, one of the things that I've seen with uh, the Texans is not only is their run defense just absolutely pathetic, but their explosive uh, rate on big runs allowed has been pretty high as well. And we know Barkley's the type of guy that he's going to get two yards, two yards. Think of it like the Barry Sanders yeah. back in the day, not comparing him to Barry Sanders, but um Barry Sanders would get two yards, one yard, negative two yards, and then he'd pop off for a 55-yard run. And that's the type of player that Barkley is. And Houston's allowing a lot of explosive runs. You have to think that if they – the volume that Barkley gets, that he's probably bound to get one. So I, I think – I might be more interested in his longest rush over. Um, 18 and a half. 18 and a half, yeah. I think I might be more interested in that than his over. But, I mean – I wouldn't be opposed to anybody playing uh, Barkley overs this week. I don't know if I will personally. The number is a little high. We're used to seeing him in that 80-yard range or so, but I wouldn't argue against it. At this stage, is it fair to consider over rushing yards in that low 90s range a lean at this point, and then longest rush over 18 and a half maybe bettable? Yeah, maybe bettable. I'm not yeah. sure yet. Okay. Um, uh, it's just uh, as, as we're doing this, because remember, while we're doing this, so many new lines are popping up that you don't mm -hmm. even have much time to think with, with a lot of these lines showing up on Friday. But at first glance, I think that uh, Barkley longest rush is uh, something that you might want to consider. Sounds good. Moving right along to the next game, we'll break down Lions at the Bears. And I've been champing at the bit to discuss Amon Ross St. Brown overs with you. Thanks to some insight I gathered from Suma on the Matchbook NFL show. There was a big release on St. Brown shortly before we recorded. So some of the numbers have definitely moved recently, but I wanted to still touch on those numbers and the handicap here. When we look at the handicap separate from the analysis in the big release that went out this morning, 
St. Brown recovering from a pretty severe ankle sprain, and he's one week further removed from that injury, thus one week closer to being 100%. There is a potential fly in the ointment here. All the narratives about Jared Goff and the cold weather. There was the famous Goff game in Chicago a few years ago when he was with the Rams in which it looked like he didn't even want to be on the field. It's not going to be quite as cold this time around, and the Bears' defense certainly not as good as it was in that matchup a few years back. So I think while Goff presents some risk to St. Brown going over, there's also plenty of reward to be seen in the sense of St. Brown, again, being healthier this week, the Chicago defense being quite beatable. And looking at the numbers here, receiving yards are currently in the range of 73.5 to 74.5, and that's up from 69.5 this morning. So with a move like that, four to five yards, do you think the value is gone, or is there any meat left on the Brown on St. Brown receiving yards over on Sunday? I think if you're looking to play his overs, you maybe look at the receptions. I mean, he's a guy that he has, I think he's bottom five in average depth of target this season. Like he does not get many looks down the field. He's like a short to intermediate guy that they're starting to throw. They throw screens to him. They look for him on those short crossing routes, all that. So a lot of times, like if there is something where the yards get too inflated, Yes, the receptions line, the juice usually will move with that. But sometimes there's still value on that. So I think if you are looking at St. Brown, you, you maybe look at the receptions. Um, I'll just say personally, um, I'm always leery of playing guys that are off. I think he had a high – was it a high ankle sprain or was it a like, – I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what the degree of the ankle sprain was on him, what they called it. But usually I'm very leery of guys that do suffer high ankle sprains or ankle sprains in general because it tends to be re-aggravated. And a lot of times you see him never come back to 100%. I mean, I think of Jerry Judy last year who had an ankle sprain that kind of derailed his season. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has been re-aggravating it a lot. I know there's more examples that I'm missing off the top of my head. So to be honest, I was kind of neutral uh, on the St. Brown stuff. I, I kind of want to see him do it for maybe a week or two and know that I'm a, he's a hundred percent back to full health before I bet on it. Fair enough. And for those betters who do have interest in St. Brown this week, you mentioned instead of receiving yards, now that that's been steamed pretty heavily looking at receptions, I'm seeing that the number is six and a half across the board, but the VIG varies wildly. I'm seeing anything from even money to minus 180. Is there anywhere in between in that range where you would say, okay, if you want to play St. Brown, probably consider receptions over six and a half up to this price point with the juice. Yeah. I mean, in the games that he's gotten his close to full complement of snaps, he's had eight, nine, seven, and four catches. I know going back to the end of last year, he was surpassing that amount of catches pretty often. Maybe like in the one twenty ish range, but I'll, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm not as crazy on the St. Brown stuff as some other people. Not saying I'm going to bet against it, but I'm not as in love with it as uh, some other people are. Point taken. Well, one more prop I want to get into with you that has also seen a release this morning, but not a ton of movement yet. Taking us to Sunday Night Football, the Chargers at the 49ers. I've been eyeing Christian McCaffrey numbers all week, and we have finally started to see them recently. I really like the concept behind his rushing yardage to go over from a handicapping standpoint. The Chargers rush defense is a bit improved this week on a down-to-down -down basis. I don't think a lot of people have given them credit there, but they've been burned on the explosive plays, a lot like what you've touched on with the way St. 
uh, excuse me, Saquon Barkley can rip off big yardage against the Houston defense. The Chargers rush defense has allowed a run of at least 40 yards in six of its last seven games. And McCaffrey can definitely exploit something like that. From a health standpoint in the trenches here, the Chargers also just lost one of their key run stoppers, Austin Johnson. He's out for this season. Meanwhile, the 49ers offensive line back pretty close to full strength off of San Francisco's bye last week. And from a scheme standpoint, especially coming off the bye, I feel like Kyle Shanahan has just got to be licking his chops for the opportunity to dial up anything he wants to exploit some mismatches on the ground. So all that said, plus a bit of a free roll in game script, possibly the Niners favored by a touchdown here. A lot of reason to think McCaffrey could have a big day on the ground. Now looking at the number, seeing it anywhere from 74 and a half to 77 and a half. Any value in your eyes there for Christian McCaffrey rush yards against the Chargers on Sunday night? I think you got it. It's a sharp look by you. Um, I like the McCaffrey. I have bet some McCaffrey overs at 74 and a half. Um, it's a good play. In my opinion, I'll just I'll just put it like that. I think it's a good play. The Chargers run defense and like yards per carry allowed has been historically bad this season. Like not just bad, historically bad. And now you're missing. I I don't want to butcher the name. I think it's Austin Johnson. Mm -hmm. They're missing now. Who's the their best run stopper. So and I mean, Kyle Shanahan, as far as. What he's going to get, I mean, I think that McCaffrey numbers in general are just going to get, they're going to get a lot better um, than what it was with the Panthers because Kyle Shanahan's just a run game guru. And it's the perfect matchup. It's it's a perfect matchup as far as schematics go. And it's great. Like you said, seven-point favorite. I think that uh, the McCaffrey number is a bit short. If we do see this get steamed, again, there was a release right before we recorded. You and I seeing eye to eye. I'm sure plenty of others as well. What is the price ceiling up to which you would consider pulling the trigger on McCaffrey rushing yards over? 80. I think 80 up to 80 is probably good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's my it's my daily complaint fest about I just wish that some people would let these markets mature because it's funny. Like I did a podcast, uh, a prop show with uh, covers and I did that at 10:55, and I look at the prop menu before I go on it and there's no McCaffrey lines. I get off at 11, 10, 15 minutes and a service is already giving out. Oh, uh, one book DraftKings has McCaffrey over, uh, give out over. So, I mean, it drives me nuts. I wish some places would wait on this stuff, but that's the times that we're in right now. But um, I do think that the McCaffrey play, uh, it does have a little bit of breathing room. And speaking of the times we're in right now, the time of the show that we're in right now is to lock in some official picks for the Props and Hops Week 10 portfolio. Hitman, you've mentioned a few good looks over the course of the show so far. What do you feel like locking in at this point? Let's go Brady under 284 and a half pass yards. I'm going back to it. Let's let's hope there's no 65-yard touchdown drives at the end of the game. And do you know what, real quick, do you know what was so infuriating about that game, Matt, is I knew Brady – was like 60 yards behind then the Rams had to punt. So I'm thinking like, all right, well, as long as the punt returner just brings this to like, let's say his own 41, then Brady can only get 59 passing yards on this drive, unless there's a false start or something. But like, that's what I need. And the punt returner brought it back to like the 40. So which gave him the chance to get 60 more yards 
which could put my which could beat me by a half yard if he does throw for exactly 60 yards on that drive. And what does he do? He throws for exactly 60 yards, of course. So I just had I love reminiscing about bad beats. I don't like talking about the lucky wins. I like talking about the bad beats. So I had to to throw that in there a little bit. But let's go Brady under 284 and a half. And um let's go Amari Cooper since that's a bit more widely available over 61 and a half receiving yards. All right. And is that a play more so on Cooper and the Browns offense, maybe showing some signs of life or against a Miami secondary that has looked very beatable in recent weeks. It, the matchup's great. If you look at all the stats about the specific style of defense that Miami plays, Miami blitzes and plays man coverage and Amari Cooper just absolutely his target share is insane when he goes against that type of coverage. And it's a game where you expect the Browns are going to have to throw a bit from behind. So I like that one. I'm seeing 62 and a half and 63 and a half is the consensus numbers right now. Fair to consider no, those. That's, still that's well. fine. Yeah. Usually like even with like clients, I'll say like rule of thumb, like, all right, if I give a receiving prop out like one, two yards, don't even, don't even ask me if it's more than that. Usually. All right. We'll, we'll talk about it, but usually a yard or two is no big deal. Like if it was for NFL sides and totals though, you know, like a half point move, a full point move, like, all right, that's huge. But with the prop market, because there's a bigger edge, typically you really don't have to worry as much about like a yard difference or something. All right. Duly noted. So we've got Hitman on Brady under 284 and a half passing yards, Amari Cooper over 61 and a half receiving yards. And I will go ahead and lock in Christian McCaffrey rush yards over again, currently seeing as good as 74 and a half available, even some 77 and a half out there. Let's cut this off at 79 and a half. So as long as McCaffrey gets into the eighties, then we cash that ticket on Sunday night against the chargers. And speaking of going back to the well, bringing this full circle from the top of the show, I feel like we have a pretty sound process with teasers. The results would certainly not indicate as much this season through nine weeks. We are now, Two and seven. So if you want to fade these, uh, can't necessarily blame you, but I do feel like in a lower scoring environment, as we get deeper into the season, more confidence in the point spreads truly reflecting how good these teams are. That brings some reduced variance to the fold, which aligns nicely with teasers. So not to make any excuses, two and seven straight up sucks. Got to get better with it. And I will attempt to do so right now. Hitman this week, my favorite teaser on the board as we record this show. The Steelers taking them up through a touchdown to plus seven and a half hosting the Saints and the Niners down to minus one hosting the Chargers for Pittsburgh. I'm cautiously optimistic. We're going to get official word that TJ Watt is going to play in this one. Even if he's on a snap count, this game will probably move closer to pick him. I don't expect the favorite to flip, but I do think it could move this line out of teaser territory. So while we can get Pittsburgh up through those key numbers of three and seven on the standard six point teaser, feel like that's worth doing now. And this game also has a low total. Is it still 40 and a half? Uh, wow, I'm seeing 39 and a half and 40s out there. Um, you know, that even further magnifies the relative value of each point that we get in a teaser. And earlier in the week, this was Pittsburgh plus two and a half. We can no longer get the Steelers through eight, which is becoming a semi-key number for teasers. So I would just consider people, if they do want to follow this play, manage the bankroll accordingly since it is valuable to cross through seven, but not quite as valuable since we can't cross through eight as well any longer. And as far as the Niners go in the second leg, Want to make a little bit of a parallel to election week here in the U.S., a lot of talk about paths to victory for different candidates. And if I think about paths to victory for these two teams, 
when it comes to the Chargers, that's a very narrow path. And last week, Hitman, I want to run something by you. These are six numbers related to the Chargers offense last week. I'll see if you can get at what these six numbers represent. Four, three, three, two, one, and negative seven. Any idea what those six numbers cover? You have to tell me. Those are the yardages of completed passes that Justin Herbert threw against the Falcons. Six completions for less than five yards, including one that might as well have been a sack at that seven-yard loss point. And these are not first downs that are moving the chains, you know, a four-yard completion on third and three. These are categorically unsuccessful plays, and it has not been an anomaly for this Chargers offense under Lombardi. And when you're struggling to generate plays any longer than that, that's going to lead to scoring drives like what the Chargers had last week. 15, 10, and 14 plays. I think overall when there, I know there are personnel issues, but when there's such a lack of aggressiveness and explosiveness, that can really put a strain on their efficiency. So the Chargers really have to thread the needle to do just about anything in terms of scoreboard output. And it's a different story with the Niners, especially with some elite athletes like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk. We touched on Christian McCaffrey. Everything Shanahan can dial up with formations and pre-snap motion. I just feel like the Niners can do just about whatever they want in this matchup. And I also like that bookmaker right now, one of the sharpest offshores is shaded towards seven and a half. So by taking the Niners down to one, on one hand, hey, we're not crossing through the seven. We're just starting there. True, but we could be getting six and a half points for the price of six by the time we look at the closing line in this one on Sunday night. So again, circling back to pass to victory, the Chargers would really have to thread the needle to get there. I feel like the Niners have a lot of options at their disposal. So I like the Steelers plus seven and a half paired with the Niners minus one. Hitman, any thoughts on this teaser or perhaps any other teaser legs on the week 10 board? I like it. A lot of good ones. I like Seattle too Mm -hmm. in one. Um, I know there was talk about Denver being a good one, but that line's at three now. So usually you're not going to tease three to nine, but there, there is a, a, a lot of good ones. I thought I fully endorse that. I mean, I have, I have the uh, Niners in one already. I have Seattle in one. I'm probably going to have Pittsburgh in one soon. So, and, and Pittsburgh might close the favorite in that game. I would not be stunned if they closed like a one point favorite or something. So I think it's solid. Already seeing some ones hitting the board for Pittsburgh, but plus one and a half still very widely available if anybody wants to lock that in sooner rather than later. And as far as Seattle goes as a teaser candidate, I hear you there. I took Seattle plus three, and I don't bring that up to say that, you know, I have a number that's no longer available. That's useless to the audience. I mention it because in full transparency, that's probably part of why I didn't look toward the Seahawks and a teaser here. I've already got my exposure on them for the week. But if somebody hasn't touched Seattle yet, I'm looking at Tampa Bay favored by two and a half, but shaded toward the three pretty much across the board. Any thought, Hitman, when you're looking at teaser legs, sometimes if I see a two and a half shaded toward the three, that will dissuade me a bit on the underdog because I feel like you mentioned with Denver, if we are going to see the number hit three, you're not really capturing the full value of the classic long teaser and the advantages that that can present. Does the fact that Tampa shaded toward three sway you at all, or do you just like the Seahawks enough for other reasons that you do consider them one of the stronger teaser legs available? I played it when it was um, when it was two and a half, like flat, and I didn't expect that it would get close to three. But honestly, like if it is going to be like a three minus one twenty, I think that um, it's probably usually better to take the three minus one twenty. So. I, I'd, I'd say with that said, then 
that, that I probably do think the best one on the board is the one that you gave out, which is the um, the uh, San Fran and the uh, Steelers one. All right. Well, we'll see if we can get our third teaser cash of the season in week 10. It's been a rough go of it with the results, but again, doing our best to trust the process and always evaluate things. If I'm missing anything, if there's a reason that these aren't advantageous anymore, I'm all ears. If anybody in the audience thinks I need to stop talking about teasers and has good reason for it, please let me know. But otherwise, it's just been a few dozen games through nine weeks, a, a pretty short sample size of bad results. I do think over the course of the season, especially with underdogs in a low scoring environment, that some of these teasers will be profitable over the duration of the season. And Hitman, you mentioned a number three minus 120 when you're talking about the Seahawks. Uh, and sticking with that vein, I'll also touch on a side here for the first time this season. I am still seeing some pretty good availability. Detroit plus three at minus 120 at Chicago. If people aren't going to bet Amon Ross St. Brown props for reasons that you mentioned, I do think the Lions are worth a look at plus three minus 120. And this is thanks to some insight that we got from Suma um, on between the lines earlier this week. He mentioned the Lions closed plus three and a half hosting Miami and Green Bay in recent weeks. And even though we're flipping home field here, the Lions going on the road, the gap between the Dolphins and the Packers compared to a team like the Bears just makes it seem like too much for the Lions to be catching three in this setting. And on the Matchbook NFL show, Suma also mentioned last three weeks, the Bears offense has been seeing some unsustainable third down production number one in the league in that stretch and third down conversion over expected rate 0.45 EPA per play. That probably doesn't sound like a big number, but when we're looking at EPA, that is an eye popping number and probably not going to last long for the bears on third downs. And for good measure, Chicago has also recovered four out of five fumbles in its last three games. So overall, I feel like regression is coming sooner rather than later for Chicago. And even if the Bears don't get hit by a brick wall of regression this week, I'm not convinced they're the better team than Detroit. So I think that plus three at minus 120, worth betting for the Lions. Any thoughts on that look, Hitman, for I think our first point spread bet on this show so far this season? We're going to be betting. Uh, we're going to be betting some hops on this one because I, I like uh, Chicago minus two and a half. Um, it, I mean, Again, though, like if there's if you're taking Detroit plus three, it's a completely different bet. Mm -hmm. I don't like Chicago minus three. I mean, I'm with people that I'm not rushing to to bet Chicago to win by four and four or more. But at minus two and a half, I thought that Chicago was a decent bet. I mean, a lot of it was the golf cold weather stuff. It was the fact mm -hmm. that the Lions' offense, just in general, on the road, hasn't been good. And then a lot of it is like, oh, people talk about the Lions' offense, but. A lot of their year-to-date numbers are with uh, with uh, Swift, with Hawkinson, Reynolds, uh, Josh Reynolds, DJ Chark. Like they're missing a lot of guys, and I know that like is Chicago is what Chicago is doing offensively sustainable. No, it's not sustainable that they're going to be the best offense in the NFL over the last three weeks. But I think that there is some legitimate improvement, and that they deserve a, a decent power rating boost. So. We're going to go head-to-head uh, -head for a, a rare, rare time. All right. I like a little bit of healthy disagreement here, and we'll have to figure out, yeah, what we want to wager. Maybe we can arrange a small side bet off air. Uh, you know yeah. what the thing is, though? The thing is, is, like, you're going to demand, like, I want Detroit 
three and I'm going to demand I want Chicago two and a half. So it's not <laughs> going to be easy to agree on. That's going to be the issue. <laughs> and I'm going to demand I want a world-class IPA and you're going to demand that you want vodka Red Bulls. So that's not exactly apples to apples either, but we'll have some fun with it. Uh, see what we can cook up. And speaking of the hops, Jacob, why don't you lead off here and tell us what you've got on tap for this weekend? Yeah, this weekend, more low-key weekend, no uh, no parties or anything like that. Probably just going to be hanging out at home. I'll be watching football on Sunday. I'll be watching basketball on Saturday. Drink of choice for this weekend. Going to Great Lakes Brewery in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, they have a nice IPA called Thrust. It's got massive tropical citrus hits, good amount of bitterness, super smooth, and like if it's your first beer night like on a friday night you finish the work week you crack one of these open it might be in like the six percent range but it goes down like water after a long week on on the job so uh very much looking forward to hitting the thrust on this one nice i'm trying to look this up on untapped in real time to get a sense of the abv yeah and this it clocks in at great lakes brewery just if you're in ontario or at least near toronto at least my favorite brewery um so many good ones. This is just one that they're not always available, all their beers. It's not like a, a super high production one. So uh, when you go into the brewery, they don't always have every single one you want available. But when this one is available, you got to be sure to grab uh, quite quite a few, I'd say. Sounds good. And it's 6.5% ABV. Yeah. So firmly into that standard IPA territory. You yeah. and I are looking at things from a similar standpoint with our hops lineup this weekend. For me, it's going to start tonight, a rare Friday night game for my, my alma mater, USC, hosting Colorado. And while I'm watching that game, I'm going to be enjoying a can of all green everything. This is a double dry hopped triple IPA by other half. It's one of my few remaining cans from the hall, courtesy of my recent trip to New York. And all green everything clocks in at 10.5% ABV. So we've got a heavy hitter on our hands here featuring four hops and double dry hopped with citra and mosaic. So like the tasting notes that you shared for Thrust, this one, citrusy, tropical, also with the mosaic, a little hint of blueberry that I've picked up on what I've had this one in the past. So a nice variety of flavors going on. And with that double digit ABV, it's dangerously smooth, but I'll just say it's going to be safe from the comfort of my own couch this evening. And last but not least, with USC favored by about five touchdowns in this game hosting Colorado, I'll be rooting to watch all Trojans everything while I'm drinking all green everything. Hitman, I know that I usually turn to you and see what you're going to pair on your golf round from a drinking standpoint. But in this case, I think something else that pairs well with drinking, and that could be video games. On Edge Rush, I did not miss your mention that you were at one point a top 100 Madden player in the world. I'd love <laughs> it if you could tell us how that came into play and any tips you might have for the Madden players in our audience. I mean, I suck now, so I can't give you any tips anymore. But yeah, when I was in high school and college, like it was always like there was like an aura about me with that. And because, you know, video games are super popular when you're younger and just everybody wanted a shot at me. Like Madden tournaments, everybody said like Tom's the guy that to take down. And um, yeah, what Madden does is they have an online leaderboard and everything. And I think at my, my absolute peaks, peak, I was like 70 in the world or something but i would play against like the top when when you're that highly ranked you would play against sometimes you play against the number one guy in the world well all that stuff so i was pretty decent at it and then uh then i figured out how to actually make some money off of uh sports and not just playing video games so 
it ended up working out for me. But yeah, I'm old and washed up right now. I'm kind of like that. Uh, I'll play like one game a week nowadays, and I'm kind of like that old veteran at the end of his career who still can't who can't play at all. Like maybe like like AJ Green for the Cardinals. It's like all right, if you if you need me for one fade, maybe I'll catch it every now and then. But I, I get my ass kicked nowadays. So there's no no advice that I could really give. I'm just, I'm just old and trying to hang on. <laughs> that AJ green reference reminds me of a Toby Keith line. One of his songs, he says, I'm not as good as I, what well, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. So if you just need that occasional fade, that occasional game, totally hear you there, but we will be hoping for some video game numbers out of Amari Cooper and Christian McCaffrey this weekend as week 10 unfolds. Everybody, you can follow Hitman on Twitter at Hitman428. You can follow me at MLandis18. And that'll just about wrap up our Veterans Day edition of Props and Hops here in the U.S. Remembrance Day in Canada. Want to encourage anybody who's in those two countries who's catching this to take a moment this weekend. Just remember and appreciate the sacrifices of others. If you've served your country in the military and you're catching this, thank you so much for your service. And to everybody tuning in, want to let you know that Jacob and I will be back with Suma with Between the Lines on Wednesday to talk NFL Week 11 early market moves. Until then, everybody, enjoy Week 10. Thanks for tuning in, and best of luck with your betting and beer adventures this weekend. Props and hops and props and hops.